Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Reed Anderson. Well, good morning, church. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be a part of this team, Unite team. Man, it feels good to say that, doesn't it? Unite Church, our Unite staff, man, I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm also blessed to be in this series to be speaking on Give Where You Live. If you haven't been encouraged by this message, maybe you should listen to them all again so that you will be encouraged by this series. It's been so good. It's been so powerful. The, the point behind it is for us to get this picture that we are made to serve, right? It isn't something just that we do. It's something that we are, right? Pastor Frank said this, this last week. He said, serving is not something that I do. A servant is who I am. I love that. A servant is who I am. And when we get that mentality that I am a servant, we don't see serving as a task. We see it as an opportunity, right? So a lot of times you might hear series on serving, you're like, oh, great, they're going to try and draw me in again. They want me to join the children's ministry. They want me to join this ministry. They want me to do this and to pick up that and do that. We can always live with that mentality, or we can live the way that Jesus lived, which is my life is to serve. He said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve, right? And that's the example and the foundation that he laid down for us. And I love Pastor Josh's message last week. He was talking about if we see it as it's my own life and everything I've earned, I've earned, I've done it, I'm Lord of my life, it's gonna be easy for us to hold on to it. It'll be hard for us to let things go, right? But if we see our life as given to us, that everything we have is actually a blessing, it's easier for us to give back and to empower other people. That Jesus loves me so much, he gave everything I have to me that I can be a blessing to the people around me. Right? And I'm going to be closing this series up today. Hopefully you're not excited that it's closing up. <laughs> but I'm going to be closing it and I'm going to be talking about Jesus, the servant of all. I love Jesus. I love to talk about Jesus. We're going to read a couple different scriptures here. We're going to start in Luke chapter 22. So we're going to take two passages. We're going to look first in Luke 22, then we're going to jump to John 13. So start with me here, Luke 22, verse 24. It says, then they, being the disciples, they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Such a great conversation, right? Who's the best? I'm the best. No, no I'm the best. Nobody's like, no, you're the best. No, everybody's like, me. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves, right? Jesus is painting a picture for them. It's different. In this household, it's different. In this kingdom, it's different, right? In the rest of the world, people are going to be lording it over themselves. Of, I've got the authority. I've got the power. You can serve me. He said, in this house, in this place, it's the servant is the greatest. Powerful. All right, let's jump to John 13, starting in verse 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. 
He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he had loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God, and he was going to return to God. So he got up from the table, he took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist, he poured water into a basin, then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around them, around him. Verse 6, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday, eventually, you will. No, Peter protested. You will never wash my feet. Then Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Peter's like, okay, wash all of me. I'm convinced. Do everything, right? Let's jump to verse 12. It says, after washing their feet, he put his robe back on again. And he sat down and he asked, do you understand what I am doing? Or what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord, and your teacher have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are no greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So much in both of these stories here. We're going to break it out in just a minute, but let's pray first. Father, we thank you that you were so good to us. God, we thank you that you loved us so much that you gave your only son for us to die for us, to live for us, and to resurrect so that we could come back and be in eternity with you. Lord, we love you. And Jesus, we thank you for your ministry here on earth. We thank you that you laid a platform for us to build off of. Lord, help us to understand what it looks like to be a servant and what you have called us to today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we have two passages, but this is the same scenario, same situation going on. Just two different books of the Bible, two different people talking about different aspects of this same conversation, right? So it starts first with the the disciples are having a disagreement, and they're having a fun conversation talking about who is the greatest. I am the best. I'm the best among them all. I can just imagine this conversation because they're humans, right? Even though they were Jesus's disciples, they made lots of mistakes, and they're human, That's why I like looking at their life. You're like, oh, man, I've been through that. Come on, you ever argued with somebody about who was the greatest? I just can picture what they were talking about. No, I did more miracles. Did you see what I did with that guy that one time his hand was all crippled and I just straightened it out? Look how good I am. Look how many people follow me. Who does Jesus come to first when he's talking? He comes to me. Then I imagine Peter jumping in. And Peter's like, Guys, I remember this time when Jesus was walking on water, and then someone else walked too. Who was it? With Bartholomew? No, no, it was, who was that? Judas? No, definitely not. Oh, it was me. It was me. Who was it that Jesus said was the rock and was going to build the church upon? Me. Oh, yeah, that was me. You guys are just a bunch of little pebbles. I'm the rock, right? Dwayne Johnson is not the rock. I am the rock. I'm Peter. Right, just fighting for it. And then I imagine John being like, guys, who's the one that Jesus loves the most? Right? 
And I promise you, everybody's going to know from here on out because I'm going to write a book, the book of John, and I'm going to tell it, I'm going to refer to myself as the one who Jesus loved. Guys, it's me. I am the greatest. And this is how this conversation goes, at least in my mind, back and forth. But this was not the first time they had this argument. They'd done this before. Same exact thing, except two of them get their mom to come by and plead their case to Jesus. That mama comes and be like, hey, James and John, they need to be at your right and left hand. Come on. Nobody else, just them, right? And then they all get in this big old argument about it again because they were fighting for top dog position. They want to be the best. They want to be the best on earth. They want to be the best in heaven. They want to have the, the biggest mansion up in heaven and be chilling right next to Jesus. Like, that is their goal. That does sound like a good life, right? But come on, how many of us can relate to this? That maybe you don't literally have a conversation with a group of friends that talks about who is the greatest, but we still think this way. And we're motivated to be this. We're motivated to be the best businessman or businesswoman. I want people to notice me and notice how well I did and see me and praise me and talk about me on Facebook and in books and all other kinds of things. I want to be known. I want to be remembered. Right? We want to fight for who is the top parent. My kids don't act like that. In my house, my kids respect me. My house, my kids love me. My wife, she submits to me. <laughs> it's not the case in my house. Just kidding. Just kidding. We submit to each other. That's what I'm saying. <sighs> Saved it, right? Come on. But we want, to we want to fight to see who can get the top spot because I want to be noticed, I want to be remembered, I want to be the best because in this world, that's what the fight is. Who is gonna stand out and who is gonna be the greatest? Because nothing else matters. Nobody wants to run away with second place, you want first. And that's how it is in this world. And Jesus is telling them, he's painting a picture back to them, he's saying, you're right. In this world, people are going to lord it over each other, and authorities are going to lord all of their authority over other people and want them to submit to them and want them to do what they're told and just be the best. That's how it is in the world. You're right. But in this house, in this table, at this place, among you, it's going to be different. In this kingdom that I'm building, the last will be first. The first will be last. Because I came to serve, not to be served. Amongst you, you guys are going to do this differently. You're not going to be fighting for the type spot. You're going to be serving one another. So he basically trumps their argument there. But he had already had this discussion with them before and said similarly the same thing, basically. But he says it again. But then this time he does something. And it says he gets up and he begins to wash their feet. Now, if we don't look at the context of this, we might think that's just a weird thing because we don't wash each other's feet, right? And you wear shoes and you wear socks and so your feet are not that disgusting unless you just never shower, then maybe they are disgusting. But unless you wear Toms all the time because that just soaks in the smell and it's terrible. But for the most part, it's different now, but when we look at the context back then, their streets were not paved. It was all dirt roads. And they walked almost everywhere that they went. And they walked down the same roads that they also took all their animals down. So guess what else is in all that dirt? 
all of the animal dung is hanging out in the same place that you're walking. Now, they also had these open sandals, so they didn't have shoes like we have shoes now. So they're walking through it. It's hot outside, so they're sweating. Everything's sticking to it. Can you imagine what their feet were like? Feet were the dirtiest part of the body. So what they would do in that time is when people had others over at their house, the first, one of two things they would do. One thing they would do is they would offer a bucket of water for them to clean their own feet in. Here, here's me being hospitable. I don't want you walking around in filthy feet on my house. Here's a bucket. And they would wash them themselves. But then those who were a little bit wealthier and hospitable, they would have servants. And the servants would come in and they would wash the feet of the guests. Now, it would never be the host because the host was the most important person in the room. And so they were not the ones to wash the feet of the guests. They would have their servants come, and then they would come down, and they would serve the guests, and they would wash their feet, and they would clean it up. Now, in this case, in this scenario, they are in a borrowed home. This is, the parents, this is John Mark's parents' house that they are staying in, and they're in the upper room. Now, they don't have a servant there that are coming and taking care of them because they have their own little space over there. So nobody came and nobody had brought them a bucket of water and nobody was up there washing their feet. Now maybe in this time probably was the case that the lowest disciple would be the servant. And they would be the one who would come up and would wash the feet of the rest of them or at least go get them the bucket of water. But instead of somebody jumping up saying, I'm the lowest of them all, they have a conversation about who is the greatest. Because nobody is willing to go and take that place as a servant. They all want to be the best. They want to be the top. So Jesus sees the argument, speaks to them, tells them it's inverted in the kingdom. It's the opposite of what you think now. The last will be the greatest. The greatest will be the last. If you want to be a leader, be a servant. And what does he do? He gets up. He takes on the lowliest job that none of the other disciples would do. Even though they weren't arguing for the greatest, they were actually arguing for the second greatest behind Jesus. They knew he was the greatest. That wasn't in the discussion. It was about who would be the next one up. Jesus humbles himself. He gets up and he begins to wash their feet. How amazing is that? That's our God. That's my God one who came to serve, not to be served, the one who laid his life down for us, for me, to be a blessing, to show us an example of what we are called to in life. And we are not called just to be the greatest. We are called to lay down our life and, and build other people up. So what are some of the reasons he was doing this? Why did Jesus wash the disciples' feet? Well, I feel like there's three main things I want to take out of this that I believe Jesus was showing them. And the first one is this. Jesus came as a servant, not as a king. Jesus was showing them that he came to serve, not to be served. Now, they knew that Jesus was the Messiah. They believed it. They knew that he was the king over all kings. But Jesus did not come down to earth as a king, ruling as a king. He did not come in all splendor and all majesty on this big, nice horse galloping around where everybody would just praise him and worship him and fall at his feet. He didn't come that way. He came as a humble servant. He came to be a blessing. He came to lay down a foundation and then to lay down his life later. But see, the people, the Jewish people, wanted a king. Just like in the Old Testament, they wanted a king so badly they ended up putting Saul in as king. 
And then they thought once the Messiah would come, he would come as a king. And they would be a part of that kingdom and they would ride in triumphantly together in victory over every other nation. Because in this time, they were an oppressed nation. Right? For a while, they were slaves in Egypt. And then they got into the promised land. They're like, woohoo, we're doing better. And then it went backwards for them again. And now they're being ruled and taken over by Rome. And so they're looking for a Messiah who is going to give them an upgrade. They're looking for a king who's going to be the king over all the other nations and that they would also be over all other nations. So they all were looking out to build their own little kingdom. And Jesus was breaking a mindset that was in all of them. See, they all had this king mindset. They wanted a king and they wanted to be kings. They wanted to be lord over their own life. They wanted to control their own life. That's why they bought into the law so much because if they could make themselves perfect, then they would be like kings and then everybody else would love them. But Jesus came for a different point and a different purpose. He came to lay his life down for these people to serve them and to love them. And this is why so many people missed it. They missed the Messiah who was right in front of them. He's saying, but I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I came to be a blessing. I came to lay my life down for each one of you. And I came to break off this mentality that it's all about you and building up your own little kingdom around you and everybody else buying into that. That you look perfect on the outside, that you look put together so that somebody would acknowledge you and notice you and praise you. And this was still how they were living. Was that king mindset. If I'm building my own kingdom, And this is how we tend to live as well, is that we have this mindset that I got to build myself up and everything around me and make my family look all perfect and all nice and, and my job and my successes so that people would take notice of me, respect me, honor me. But Jesus is coming out to show them something different. I came to serve, not to be served. Philippians 2 verse 4 says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Don't look out only for your own interests. It's not saying don't ever take interest in yourself, right? We have needs and we're gonna meet our needs. When you're stinky, you go and take a shower. Maybe you take a little bit longer than other people, but eventually you get in there. And then you realize you're naked and you put some clothes on. You realize you're hungry and you feed yourself. You're thirsty and you give yourself some water, right? We take care of our needs, but he's saying not only your own needs, but also looking out for the interests and the needs of others too. Verse five, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Oh, no big deal. Oh, just have the same attitude as Jesus, okay. And then it says this, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, having said all of these things, because he did not think of equality as something with God as something to cling to, because he laid himself down and he humbled himself before others, because of all of that, verse 9, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why? Because he ruled as a king? 
No, because he laid his life down for the people around him. In all authority, and all splendor that he had, he came as a servant. How can I bless you? How can I minister to you? You're hungry today? I'm going to feed 5,000 of you. Even when he was tired and he was thirsty, he was looking to give away the living water to other people, to empower them, to love them, to care for them, to meet their need, to heal them. He didn't turn people away. He didn't say, no, 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 I'm tired today. It's too much. It's been too long. I've been serving too many people. Somebody serve me. He said, no, my life is a life that I lay down. I've come to serve you and to be a blessing to you. This was his life, not to rule as a king, but to build the kingdom. Come on, so where is our mindset? Are we living with the king mindset or the kingdom mindset? So the kingdom mindset is saying, I lay my life down. The king mindset is I build my life up and I make sure everything looks great around me. So that was the first thing that Jesus was trying to communicate to the disciples, that he came to serve, not to be served. And the second thing, he used all of his authority to show his love by serving. All of his authority. Let's look at this in verse 3. So John 13, 3. This is something I've just kind of skipped over before, but it was standing out so much to me. It says this, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and he was going to return to God. Now, right before this, it says he knew that Judas was going to betray him. And he has foreknowledge, right? He is God. So he also knew that Peter was going to deny him three times, and he tells him this just a little bit later. And he knows that the rest of them are going to choose to abandon him when he's in his lowest time. He's going to be all alone. So imagine for a moment. He's in a room of 12 people. One of them, betrayer. Another one, denier. The other 10, abandoners. That's all he's filled with. Nobody who's going to be with him to the end that's like, Jesus, I'm with you, even though with their words they were saying that, but not with their actions. He knew he knew what was coming. He knew the, the penalty of the death on the cross. He knew the pain he was going to suffer. He knew all of that. And it said God had given him all authority, and he knew it. Now, this is a powerful place for him to be in. He has all power and all authority given by God so he could make the decisions. He could do whatever he wanted in this moment. All authority was on him, and he had foreknowledge of knowing who was in the room and what was going to happen. And so having known that, he makes a decision. And this is the last night, and he knows he has to go out with the big old finale. This is the last statement he was going to make to the rest of the disciples. And he has all power and authority. What would you do in that moment? I want you just to think about that for a moment. You have all power and authority, 12 people in your room, one's a betrayer, one's a denier, the rest are just abandoners. What is the thing you choose to do to go out with? Is the first thought in your mind, oh, I'm going to serve them. I am going to love them. Come on, that is not the first thing in my mind. It's probably the last thing in my mind. If I was Jesus in this moment and I had all power, I think at least I would remind them, show something that I was in charge, right? That I was king. That I, I was the one who came from God and was going to go back to God. I would at least remind them of all the miracles, all the things that I did, all the accolades, 
all the people that we're following. Remind them of the past. Maybe even just kind of show a blooper reel or a reel up on the screen so that everybody would see. These are my highlights, guys. Or maybe I would take them outside and I would call all the angels down from heaven and just line the skies with them. Just to show how mighty and how great of a king and how powerful. And maybe start ascending a little bit into heaven. Some glory cloud on me or something, right? I know this sounds terrible, but you all have thought these kind of things. Come on. You have all power and all authority in your hands in this moment. You can change their minds. You can convince them to stay with you. You could tell them, guys, you're not going to actually die tonight, so be strong. Come on, pull it together. No, no, he doesn't do any of those things. It says knowing all authority that he had, all power that he had in that moment, it says he gets up, he takes off his robe, and he puts on a towel representing a servant, pulls it around his waist, he gets out some water, he gets out a basin, fills it up, and he begins to go person to person, betrayer, denier, abandoner, and he washes each one of their feet. How powerful was that? Maybe not the thing I would think of or you would think of to do in that moment, but something that spoke so much higher than any words that they could say. He made a statement with this, that I am using all authority that I have to serve you and to love you, and this is the greatest thing that I can do for you, that even though I have power to change your mind and I have power and authority that I can lord it over you and hover over you and tell you who you ought to be and what you should do, instead I'm going to lay it down for you and love you. So I want to know this. This question is for all of us. What are we doing with the authority that God has given us? What are we doing with all the gifts and the abilities that God has given us? We have authority in our life. We have people that watch out, that look up to us, people we have influence over. Maybe you're a parent. You have kids. You have authority. Maybe you have a business and you have authority. You're in some place that somebody's looking up to you. And so what do we do with all authority that we have? especially when the people below us are maybe getting in trouble, aren't listening. So when your kid is disobeying and you have all authority, what do we do? We hoard it over them, remind them that I am the one who brought you into this world, moms. I could take you back out of this. Or dad's like, I am dad, obey me, listen to me. Or I'll get out the belt. What do we do with all authority that God has given us and shown us? Do we make them comply and hoard it over them and lord it over them and saying, this is my space, this is my authority? Or do we lay ourselves down? Are we looking for a need to meet that need? Are we looking on what's going on inside that person? Why is my kid being disobedient? Maybe there is an unmet need that I haven't laid down for them. Maybe they feel lonely. Maybe they feel like they just miss being with me. And now they're starting to mouth off because I haven't taken the time to be with them. Are we looking to serve others in all of our authority? Or are we looking for other people to serve us? Are we seeing the lowest need and saying, I'm above that. 
I wouldn't do that. I'm not the trash picker-upper. That's not my job. Or do we see it different? Do we see our authority as a place to serve? Maybe you're CEO of a company. Do you see it as your authority to be able to lay your life down for your employees so that they would have a good experience with you, working with you? That they would have everything that they need. That you can serve them, you can bless them, you can love on them, you can get to know them and their family and what's going on in their life. Are we looking to serve the kingdom or are we looking to build our kingdom? First Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I love that. It's saying the gifts that you have are God's grace in various forms. What are we doing with God's grace in our life? He has given you the ability to work with your hands. He has given you the ability to teach others and train others. He's given you the ability to encourage and to build up. He's given you that ability to communicate well, to influence others, to have leadership experience and potential. He has given that to you. He's saying in all the gifts that you have, use them to serve. This is a whole life of serving. My life is of a servant. Not serving as a task for me to do, serving as an opportunity for me to show somebody about Jesus, to show them the love of Christ, to lay my life down so that they might feel loved and cared for. What are we doing with the gifts and the graces God has over us? And that was the second thing that Jesus was trying to show them, that everything you have is given to you. Every bit of authority is given to you. What are you gonna do with your authority? And all my authority I'm laying it down to serve you. And the third thing, final thing, is Jesus set an example for them to go and to do the same. Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done for you. This, is, this was their task, and this is our task that we are called to daily lay our life down for other people, that you see it as an opportunity to show somebody love, not because you have to, but because God did the same for you, and now you want to repay him. You want to give back. You want to show love to others. We want to point people to Jesus, and the way we do that is by laying ourselves down and saying, your need is important to me. And then we go and we look for opportunities to serve people. Somebody's in the hospital, we look to go check up on them, to be there with them. Somebody is struggling in their marriage, we go to be with them and hear them and grieve with them. Somebody's experiencing loss, we're there for comfort, we're there for love, we're there to give peace. We are looking for somebody who is struggling with something that they cannot do on their own. Maybe they broke their leg and they can't mow their lawn anymore. Man, go mow your neighbor's lawn. We're talking about give where you live in this series. And we're making it simple because we all have reach and we all have influence. And if each one of us saw our neighborhood and our area of influence as mine, this is my place to serve, then I'm going to go around the the neighborhood looking differently. Whose lawn is getting big? Maybe I can go mow their lawn. Who has kids around the neighborhood, man. You got kids coming over to your house. Feed those kids. They're hungry. The neighborhood girl that comes over every day, I don't even know if she eats at her house. But we feed her because we love her. 
We want her to see the grace of God in our life. We want her to see Jesus. When I looked up the word serve in the Greek, diakonos, it means this. It's, it's really simple, and I love it. It says, kicking up dust because you're on the move. What? Service means to kick up dust because you're on the move. If you're laying at home binge-watching Netflix, you're not on the move. If we're waiting for somebody to come to us and say, I have a need, please meet my need, we're not on the move. We're missing it. We're missing our community. We're missing opportunities. We're missing people. Because I'm not kicking up my feet and on the move. The other part of this means caring for the needs of others as the Lord guides in an active and practical way. All of the disciples' feet were filthy. There was a practical need. And Jesus met that practical need. And there was a higher statement in it because he was saying, this is the lowest need. And even I will go as your Lord, as your King. I will come and I will serve you in this way. Now go and do the same. Go and look for areas and people in their life that you can be a blessing to them, that you can practically serve them. But you have to be on the move, going, seeking, looking for those who have needs and starting to have conversations with people. This might be hard for some of us. Go have a conversation with somebody. Get to know them. Get to know their life. Get to know their, their family. Get to know their needs oh man, how can I help you with this? What can we do? How can we be a blessing back to you? This is what we are called to. This is our life. My life is as a servant, and I lay it down every day saying, God, where do you want me to kick up dust and move to? Where do you want me to be around, and what person can I minister to and love? And the second part of this, so the first part is we serve. We just look to show love through our service, but the second part is this. In Matthew 28, 18, and this is the greatest thing we can do, Jesus came and told the disciples, he said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Kick up dust, get on the move. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go tell people the good news about Jesus. As we serve others, as we lay our life down for them, we begin to tell them that Jesus lives, loves, and saves. That Jesus did the same thing for me. That Jesus loved me so much, he chose me in my brokenness to be set free and to love him back. Man, what a good God he is. And just the way I'm serving you, Jesus is serving you through me. It's all about him. And when we point people to Jesus, that's when we begin to make a difference in this city. In your neighborhood, you start to see all the neighborhood kids coming to your house because they want to be with you. Yeah, because you're feeding them, but also because it feels good to be around you. You are blessed to be a blessing. You are made to be a servant. You are made to lay your life down for other people. And that is not a weakness. That's the greatest strength. See, when I am weak, he is strong. When I admit, when I go to that place and say, I'm not above that, I can serve there. Oh, there's a need there, I can meet that need. There's a piece of trash in the parking lot, I could pick that up. I can meet that, I can be there, I can talk to that person. That person's lonely, he needs a friend, I can be that friend. Come on, God is calling us to rise up together, to be servants among our entire city, to make a difference here, but it we can't do it if we just sit around and wait. 
We have to get up. We have to move forward. We have to look through the lens of kingdom, not king mentality, and ask God, where can I serve? Who can I serve? Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's the neighborhood kids around you. Who is God calling you to serve today? Will you guys close your eyes with me? We're going to wrap up and we're going to pray. But before that, I want to give you an opportunity. If there's anybody in this room, if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, today is a perfect day for you. He is a God who loves you, who gave up everything to be with you, not just the church as a whole, but you individually. He loves you and he wants to be with you. And all we have to do is put our hope and our faith in him and follow after him and build relationship with him and we are set free. So if there's anybody in this room you're saying, I wanna give my life to Jesus, I haven't before, but I want to today, would you simply raise your hand so I can pray with you? I want anybody in this room saying, Jesus is tugging on my heart, and I haven't made him Lord, and I want to today. All right, we're, we're gonna pray anyways. So if you would just repeat after me, if it's the first time you've said this, or you say this every week, that's okay. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I give you my life. Thank you for giving me yours. Help me to live for you. Help me to serve you. And forgive me for all my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.